On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about, well, what else? There is only one story on the planet right now. That's the coronavirus and all the various tentacles that are springing out from it. We're going to be talking about the economy because the market, again, took a poop directly related to the coronavirus. We're going to be talking about the cruise industry, which is taking an absolute pounding, especially when government officials are saying, hey, don't go on cruises. That's not good advertising for that industry. That's not good for them. And we're going to be chatting about the sports world because they are now talking about either banning fans completely from NBA games or putting the league on hiatus for a period of time. This after the NCAA with March Madness and others have already said no fans at games. This is a very, very tough time. A lot of stories going on. We'll try and cover a few of them right here on the podcast. Enjoy. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. As you know, there is all kinds of stuff happening in the world today. We can't even keep up with it all. There's a case in Hamilton now of a doctor. There is stuff breaking out all over the... We're hearing so many stories. Lots of people being affected, lots of businesses being affected, but among those being most affected right now are those in the travel industry. Because with everything that you're hearing, who wants to travel anywhere? Who wants to leave the safety of your own home? And then if you do get somewhere, what happens? Well, within the travel industry, there's a sub-industry, of course, and that is the one that is taking probably the biggest pounding of all, and that would be the cruise industry. Not only have we seen cruise ships have quarant- people get quarantined on board and the ships can't dock and people can't get off and positive cases being announced on there, but now we've got government officials on both sides of the Canadian-U.S. border telling people don't take cruises. Well, that's not exactly good for business. And this is a multi, multi, multi multi-billion dollar industry that is suddenly caught in the teeth of a really, really bad spot. Shauna Curtin-Weatherill is is the owner of the Expedia Cruise Ship Centers in Waterdown. Uh, She is someone who works in this industry every single day. She joins us now. Shauna, thanks for doing this today. Hi, Scott. How are you? Well, I'm I'm okay. Uh, You're working in this industry. I got to think this is probably about the worst case scenario for you guys. I would agree it is the worst case scenario. It's, um, it, uh, well, you know what, it's, it's giving a lot of people sort of the advantage of knowing what it is to have a travel agent and why the benefit of having a travel agent is. So for us, we're looking at that as a positive. We're trying to find as many positives mm. as we can in this because we have to. But are you getting truly, I mean, are you getting a lot of people who are calling in who have either, bo- well, probably who have booked really concerned or trying to cancel or not knowing what to do? Yes, right now the um, the cruise lines have really stepped up. So typically, anyone that cruises knows that once you're in penalty, it's you don't get a refund back. You would we would lose money. And the cruise lines right now are saying anybody that has to cancel, they will be giving them future cruise credits to to be used in a full amount of what they've paid for their cruise. So they've stepped up in the industry. They're also making sure that they are doing daily temperature checks for people that want to continue to cruise, and they're doing updates and cancel canceling areas that they shouldn't go into or modifying impacted areas. So they're in, they're really working hard to ensure safety and um, comfort of their clients to make sure that, that they do want to travel. But are you hearing from people who you speak to with your business that that is being reassuring to them or is there still a lot of concern? What we're finding is it's very black and white. We have some people that are absolutely saying, 
I'm not going to go on a cruise ship and others that are saying I'm still going to travel and I either want to defer my date or I'm going to go or let's put it to 2021. So there's really no middle where they're kind of iffy and sitting on the fence. It's definitely a yes or no. And is there any um, guideline of how those lines are breaking down? Because, I mean, one of the things we're hearing is that the people who are largely being affected most by this are older people. Well, older people tend to crew. I mean, is it older people who are canceling or is it not that clear cut? Um, no, I, I, it's, it's not really that clear cut. I think with the government advisory, it, it really has to be defined that it is an advisory. It's not a ban, which is why some people are still going on a cruise. We had a gentleman come in this morning asking for cruise books because he wants to book a cruise. So not everyone is, is, is taking it that they cannot travel on a cruise. We have more older people that know that they're at risk and common sense tells them and tells us as well, they shouldn't go on a cruise ship if there's a risk of getting any type of virus. So, you know what, on cruises, there tends to be probably a, a, a large majority of people that are 55 plus, And we've got some people in their 70s plus that are more, more, they've moved them all to 2021. They haven't canceled them. They've moved them. There have been things on cruise ships before, like like anywhere. But I mean, norovirus is something we hear about every now and then. And there have been other things. Has it? Have you ever dealt with anything that has caused people to react like this? Has any other illness or situation, or even nine eleven or anything, has anything like this ever caused this? No, the the cruise industry has, or the travel industry has recovered from nine eleven and SARS and H one N one, but nothing has really hit like this where there's been a government advisory saying you know you should not get on a cruise ship so this is really this has hurt the industry and it would be helpful if maybe the government was a little more specific in their advisory but there's never been anything like this no that i know of can you plan for something i mean we always hear about you oh you should have contingency plans for everything can you plan for something like this you or the industry i don't think so i you know what you can only plan so far and something like this is just it's just come out of the blue it's it'd be like looking at a prediction and saying this is going to happen and whether you believe it or not, it's still unbelievable for us that that we've heard this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We are talking about the cruise industry. We're not making fun of the cruise industry because it is tough right now. This is a multi, multi, multi multi-billion dollar industry all over the world, but especially around here in North America. Many people listening have either taken cruises, plan to take a cruise, know about it, have friends who cruise. I mean, it has become, I don't know if it's become the number one way for people to travel and vacation, but it is certainly in the last decade or so has exploded. But right now with coronavirus, we now have a situation where we have government officials saying, don't go on a cruise ship. Well, that that can only be devastating. Shauna Curtin-Weatherall is uh, the owner of Expedia Cruise Ship Centers in Waterdown. And we've been talking about this, and, and Shauna, it affects you guys, obviously, here at the local level. But when you yeah. look at the, the lines themselves, Royal Caribbean today took out or extended its borrowing capacity by $550 million to get it through this kind of thing. Um, They have, these lines have thousands of rooms, all this space to fill, all this staff, all these debts to pay from these billion dollar ships they build. What happens if this goes on for a while? Well, I I don't really want to think of what's going to happen if it goes on for a while. Right now, the, the, um, the advisory is till the end of April, April 30th. They've just added that this morning. If it goes on for a while, I think that the cruise industry is really going to hurt. But what is a good thing is 
we do have other options to travel. So people that travel twice a year or every year, there's Rocky Mountaineer, Travel in Canada, there's Trafalgar Tours, there's Colette. So the cruise industry will be hurt. It will come back. People will go back to cruise ships. But in the alternative, we've got something else to give clients that can still allow them to travel and feel safe within their own country or do something on a land tour that doesn't involve being on a ship. So it, there, there is other options for people out there. This doesn't end travel for, for all of us as it's, you know, what it's appearing like right now. You say you, you think that people will go back on cruise ships. You, you don't see that long term this has implications or deep implications to this industry. No, I don't, because I know we're doing cancellations right now. And because they're having future cruise credits, people are, are anxious to get that cruise book, not so that they can use their credit, because they want to travel and they want to go back on a cruise ship. It's a very enjoyable way to travel. And when you talk about the different levels of people, I have um, a young person in their 20s that are getting married on the ship and they have all their friends coming. And I also have a couple celebrating their 56th wedding anniversary on a ship. So it's such a variety of ages and it's a multi-generational way to travel. You can travel with your grandparents and your parents and your children and your children's children. So it's not limiting to what you can do and it has something for everyone and people that cruise know that. I know you're a travel expert. You're not an economist. That said, uh, as I say, many of these cruise lines have spent billions to build brand new, enormous, fancy new ships. Can you see a, a time ever in this thing, if it were to extend for a while, where any of them could get into trouble and we might see a line go under? Uh, uh, probably a bad choice of words for a cruise ship. Yeah. But, uh, but go I, I, would, <laughs> I would be predicting this, and I, and I, I, I would hate to use any line. I think um, just like we've had a few cruise lines that have hit barges or, you know, years ago there was the Costa cruise line with the what happened with them. And, and you know, people tend to remember that. So I think there's going to be some cruise lines right now that that people remember and uh, that might hurt them, but they also have very loyal clients that I know will go back to them. And we're hearing that from clients. And I've seen online that, I mean, the, the lines are doing everything possible to try and still lure people. I mean, there's unbelievable prices and there's discounts and there's giveaways and there's free booze and there's free... That said, if you go on a cruise right now and you have, and the government people are saying, we're advising, we're not banning, but we're advising you not to go, and you were to go on a cruise ship and you get sick, does that have any impact on your insurance? It does. So right now, as of March 5th, the insurance company, we deal with Manulife Insurance. And as of March 5th, they've said, if you purchase after that and you go on a cruise, your medical insurance and your trip interruption will not cover you for coronavirus, medical, or quarantine. If you had purchased your insurance prior to March 5th, when they designated it as a known event, then you would have that coverage. So if you were to go on a cruise right now and and break your leg, your medical will still cover you even though there's an advisory. And that is because it is not a ban, it is an advisory. They just will not cover you for that known event of coronavirus. And is there a cutoff period for that? Or right now is it in perpetuity? Right now, it is be until they lift the advisory. Okay. So if the advisory goes till April 30th, if it goes beyond that, it'll be lifted at that point. But right now, we're getting daily updates. We get hourly updates. My email is constantly going with updates from the cruise industry, from CLIA, from the CDC. So we're we're on top of everything as best we can be right now. I bet people have asked you this question. I'll finish with this one. But I bet people have asked you, would you go? Would you, would yes. you go on a cruise right now? 
Yes, I would. Yes, I would go on a cruise because I trust the cruise industry because I know they're doing their very best to ensure that they're looking at everyone's passport pages to see where they've traveled. They're doing ear temperature checks. They are modifying anywhere that they should not go. They're taking care of their clients. I have um, a cruise booked for the end of March and I have a river cruise booked for May. So, uh, you know what, unless something else happens, I'm, I'm on those ships and it's because I trust the industry. It's uh, it, these are tough times, but it's uh, it's it's an ongoing and interesting story. Shauna Curtin Weatherall from Expedia Cruise Ship Centers, Waterdown. Thanks for the time. Always appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. The coronavirus story. Um, look, I, I know many people listening are already getting fatigued of this story. I understand. I am too. And I also understand that, or at least I believe that for many of the people listening, the impact of this health-wise is going to be nothing. There are going to be people, obviously, who are impacted by this. But I think for many people, this is going to be a non-event for many of you. But leaving the health thing aside and those who may, in fact, truly suffer from this, there is one area that I think we are all all going to have an impact or feel an impact from, and that is something that is going on as a secondary point to the story, and that is what's happening with the economy right now. Markets were down. The Dow Jones was down another 1,400 points today. The TSX was down 688 points. We're now hearing world leaders talking about stimulus to boost the economy. We've got countries that are completely shutting down. Italy now, the only thing that's going to be open are the absolutely most essential services. Not even coffee shops and stuff are not even allowed to be open now. This is a massive, massive world event in the world of the economy, uh, I wouldn't normally impose on Marvin Ryder a second time in a week. However, the uh, there is nobody who can do this better than he, so I have called him up again to, to talk about this. Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote School of Business joins us now. Marvin, thanks for doing this. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, just a little sidebar story. Back during the Second World War, Lauren Green, the famous actor yes. from Bonanza, was the uh, newsreader on CBC, and he became known as the voice of doom because every time you heard him, he had more bad news about yeah. the war. I'm afraid I'm becoming the voice of doom when it comes to the stock markets. Well, we've we got a few things to talk about with this. Sure. Let's, let's start with this one as a uh, just a simple explanation, because I know everybody's heard the term before. I don't know if everyone knows what the term is. They are saying now that we are on the cusp of a bear market. What is a bear market? And not just what is it, but what does that mean in practical terms for the average non-professional investor like me or someone else? Sure. Well, let me, let me back you up to the end of last week. Uh, Friday of last week, uh, the stock markets in Canada and in New York were down more than 10% from their most recent high. And when that happens, 10% or more, we call that a correction. Basically, what we're saying is the market got a little too hot, everything got a little overvalued, and we need to correct those numbers. But given what happened on Monday reversed yesterday a bit and then reinforced again today now the markets are down 20 percent from their high and we call that a bear market all it means is that there's now so much ill will on the market we think this is going to be something that's the new norm those low those highs that we saw not that long ago are passe now i'm going to say under normal circumstances but scott tomorrow given what this market's done it could go up 1500 points again now, why should you care about a bear market? Well, every time we have a bear market, we also have, wait for it, a recession. 
And uh, nobody wants a recession. I think at this point the recession is being caused by fear more than anything else. And that's also why the market is yo-yoing. So I hate to call it a bear market. These numbers would have to then become the new normal. In other words, the stock market stay here for a week or two or three before I'd say, okay, yeah, we're right in a bear market now and watch out. Our economy may shrink and we may be into a recession. But at this moment, I don't think we are, and I don't think we have to be if we could just get some confidence back into the market. Because, uh, correct me where I'm wrong, and I probably am, but the people who are the investors who are taking their money out of the stock market because of their jitters or uncertainty or whatever else, when everything settles down a little bit, are they not likely to put their money back into the stock market in some value proposition they find or some area yeah. they believe will grow? Right, absolutely. But here's the problem at the moment. They don't know what the heck to put it in. Sure. So when you look around and everywhere you see is a forest fire, you say, well, let me just put it into gold or let me put it into cash and put it in the bank and just sit on it a little while until calm returns. The problem with coronavirus and, and also some of these other things that are going on, oil, the oil price war that we're seeing going on between Russia and Saudi Arabia is we just don't know when calm is going to return. And so unfortunately, that fuels the panic even more. But to your point about you're not sure this is a bear market, in previous decades or generations, uh, people did, I don't know if they would have kept the money out because they needed it to survive. I'm looking at this thing again. I, I, I agree probably that they don't know when this is going to settle down, but they will probably buy back in when that happens at some point. Yeah, and we've seen that in other times as well. The bear markets don't last forever, usually uh, once we get through whatever caused it. But the thing normally what causes it is significant changes in the economic structure of the market. So, for instance, maybe consumer demand for cars turns down, or maybe interest rates really shoot up, and we say, well, as long as they're high like that, people aren't going to buy. Normally it's caused by economic events, but this is being caused by a, a, a pandemic now. That was another event that happened today that made the stock market jittery. The World Health Organization formally declared this as a pandemic, and that word sends more shock into the market. But it could also be changed in a week or two or three, and that's why I'm reluctant to say for sure a recession is here, because this isn't being caused by major economic changes in the market. It's all being caused by fear. If uh, if I had the money and I was an investor, I today would be buying into the market tomorrow morning and investing heavily in toilet paper stock. <laughs> I don't know, but that seems to be the growth Even area better. right now. Even better, anyone who makes hand sanitizer. <laughs> hand sanitizer, that's right. The sales of that to rocket. It went up 300% last week. Uh, you used the word two or three times now, fear. And when we had you on the other day, the thing that was driving the stock market down, we talked about it, was the oil price war. That's still going on, of course, but it seems as though the fear thing has really taken over even further than that. Well, yeah. So there was a, a third event today. So, you know, there's the, that general fear. What have you? We've got the announcement of a pandemic. And then we also saw today the Bank of England, its central bank, weighed into this and say, okay, we too are going to do something. We're cutting our prime interest rate by a half a percent. And then the government of the Bank of England followed up by saying, we've got supports we're prepared to put into the economy to the tune of 30 billion pounds. And they did that, I think, because the same way the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve did, they thought it might put confidence back into the market. But since this is such an unusual move for the Bank of England, instead people said, well, maybe this is really going to be worse than we realized and rather than calming fears, it seemed to feed the fears some more. Here in Canada, we also had a big announcement from uh, Finance Minister Morneau and our Prime Minister that there was more than a billion dollars of support 
uh, for the coronavirus, around the coronavirus, some of it going into testing and science, some of it going to improving uh, benefits if you have to self-quarantine, that there'd be enhancements to the uh, uh, employment insurance business going on there. There's also be some supports for businesses to bridge them through this. I think it's a good starting point. Depending upon what happens with coronavirus, I don't think this will be the ending point. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We are chatting about, well, what other story is there in the world today? Coronavirus and the spin-off effects. Uh, again, if you're just tuning in, if you're just, I don't know, waking up, if you work night shifts and you're just waking up, let's see, we've had the first case of coronavirus in Hamilton. It's a cancer doctor. Uh, at Jurovinsky, we have got Italy basically shut down. We've got sports events that are now being canceled or played in front of empty crowds. We've got, take your pick, the stock market going through the floor, all kinds of other stuff. Um, joining us to talk about that latter part, especially the economy, we've brought Marvin Ryder back, as we love to do when we have to talk about money and business and the economy. Um Marvin, there have been many critics over the last four or five years since the Liberal government in Ottawa has been in power who have said, all the spending that you're doing in good times and these deficits, this is fine as long as the economy stays healthy and stays in good shape, but heaven help us if the economy tanks. I don't know if we're tanking yet, but do we need to start being worried about where our federal government and debts and deficit and all that stuff is going? Well, I'm going to say no for a couple of reasons. First, today, uh, Minister Morneau also announced when he's going to bring down the budget. He's chosen almost the very last possible day, March 30th. The year end or the year, the new year begins, the new fiscal year begins on April 1st. So that's going to give him as much time as possible to figure out what he might have to do to stimulate the economy. And then um, earlier this week, we had a report from the Parliamentary Budget Office that said uh, that the current deficits that the Liberals are running are manageable. And in fact, if they needed the wiggle room, they could put in as much as another $40 billion Mm. and still keep all the numbers looking good, meaning the goal is to bring down the percentage of debt-to-GDP ratio. And if they needed it temporarily... Now, I have to take you back to Stephen Harper back in 2007-8. This was a man who had a single mission in life, was to balance the books. But when he was confronted with a bad economy, he pumped in a $50 billion, that's 5 0 $50 $50 billion deficit if needed. I don't think that's what Morneau has to announce today, but I think what they did announce, the billion dollars of support, whether it's going into you know, bringing people home or paying for research or helping the uh, various provinces with their health care systems, that's a nice starting point, but I don't get the feeling that may be the final number. It all depends upon where these cases go in Canada. So we do then have the tools right now to do economic stimuli and other things that we would need to do if things... I mean, this is all assuming, I think, that this drags on for some period of time. But if that happens, we have those tools available? We have the tools available. Now, again, it's going to be what is causing the recession uh, if he needs to do something, and then how do you fix it? So right now, I think this is the kind of announcement they need. We're supporting the healthcare system. We're putting money into virus uh, research, looking for... um, uh, um, an inoculation, you know, an agent that way. I think that's the right thing to say now, because if we can fix the coronavirus, then we don't have to have a recession. If it turns out, let's just say for the sake of argument, that the oil and gas industry is just decimated by the price war going on, then loans to them or bridge financing to them, or if we all decide we're not buying cars and selling the car industry, we'll have, we don't know that at this point. So I think they're coming at this the right way at the moment, 
but we'll have to see how this develops over the next three, four weeks, and that's why he's chosen March 30th as the day to bring down the budget. Clearly, we have the oil situation that started some of what happened in the economy and with the markets, but were there other things that we were seeing or should have seen that would have caused us pause before this, or is this entirely almost what's going on now, the coronavirus, and so if this thing could be settled or cleared up or settled down in the next number of weeks, we would expect things to return to some sort of normal? So again, I'm going to say yes to you. When this year dawned, we thought, for instance, the Chinese economy was going to grow at about 6.5%. More or less, China has been shut down now for a period of about six weeks. And at this point, we think if that's about all it has to be shut down for, that's going to reduce the growth in their economy to 5%. That on itself would then cause our economy to grow by 0.2% less. We were thinking to be around 1.7, now it's 1.5. And, and there's still no reason, I think, to panic beyond that. But the problem is now we're shutting down Italy. I take a look at the numbers out of Europe. Boy, there are some big numbers now starting to come out of France, Germany, Spain. If we have to not shut down Italy, but shut down all of Europe. Oh, my goodness. So that's, that's what's leading the fear on the market. It's not the way it is today, but the way it might become. And what we're doing every day is going through the numbers, hoping for that diversion. But there's nothing economic that we should have seen coming. Now, those people who don't like Mr. Trudeau would have argued and said, well, look, we were having a good economic time. We didn't need to be running these gigantic deficits. Maybe we should have only been running a $5 billion deficit rather than a $15 billion deficit. Easy to say in hindsight, Mr. Trudeau wanted to do some things around infrastructure in his first term in office, and some of that money was going out there that way. I, you know, I, I don't think anyone could have seen this kind of a shock coming. There was no reason to suspect it, even as recently as January 1st. And here we are just basically two months into the year, and look how things have changed. Marvin Ryder from the Negroot School of Business. Again, really appreciate you stepping in again this week. It's uh, valued. Thank you. I'm hoping we won't talk again, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's, it's never good news, sadly, Marvin, when I have you on. I don't know why. We're going to have to fix that one of these days one soon. Of these days. Thank you for your time. All right. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. So amidst all the other stuff that is going on with the coronavirus scare and the hype and the whatever, whatever word you want to apply to it, there is there have been today... And in the past, you know that in Italy, they had first said, we're going to have our soccer games with no fans. Then we're not going to have soccer at all. And then that started to spread. Then the Indian Wells tennis tournament was canceled. And then um, some other stuff happened. Well, today, the NCAA announced that March Madness, probably the biggest amateur, amateur, quote, quote, amateur sports tournament in the world, would be played with no fans in the stands. Only players and essential staff would be in the building, which is going to be stunningly awkward to look at because the whole thing with March Madness is the fans. That That's what makes this thing so often, the, the visuals. Anyway, no fans for that one. And now we're hearing, oh, and there's been a few games here and there. The San Jose Sharks are not allowed to play in their arena, so they don't know what to do, and they're figuring that out. But now we are hearing from ESPN that there has been a conference call with NBA governors And the overwhelming consensus seems to be that there's either going to be, as they go forward, as the NBA season goes forward, they are either going to continue the season with no fans in arenas, or the entire league is going to go on hiatus for a period of time while this thing gets sorted out. Let me bring in Rick Zamperin from 900 CHML. Uh, Rick, when you hear this kind of stuff, it's kind of, 
I mean, I don't know whether it's startling or stunning or shocking or what we expected. I don't know. Well, I think it's all those words because we've never really seen it <clears throat> before, at least to this degree. I can recall the last time, and maybe the only time, that I watched a sporting event, not not live in person, obviously, this is on the TV, <clears throat> a live sporting event that had no fans was back in 2015. And this was after the killing of Freddie Gray in the Baltimore area. And the Orioles and Chicago White Sox played in front of zero fans at Camden Yards. And it was just surreal because you could hear the players and the dugouts and the umpires and everyone on the field. I mean, everything you don't usually hear during a ball game because of the crowd noise, you could hear during the ball game. And it was just weird, basically. So when the NBA tips off in front of empty stadiums, when March Madness tips off in front of empty arenas, the Sharks, and I'm sure there's going to be a boatload of other teams, the Golden State Warriors are going to be in that boat, Seattle Mariners thinking about moving or postponing games. <clears throat> yeah, this is, we're in new territory here, and, and, and I'm not sure how it's going to play out or how long it's going to play out. And if the NBA does this, surely the NHL has to follow suit because if only for litigation purposes, if the NHL were to go ahead after the NBA has said, no, it's not safe to do this, and the NHL does and someone catches the coronavirus, the NHL has a massive lawsuit on its hands, so it has to basically follow suit. And then you've got the the Masters coming up and you've got tennis tournaments, golf tournaments, I mean, like everything. How long is it until literally every single thing is shut down? Yeah, I think the litigation part, you, you hit the nail on the head there because <clears throat> no league or team wants to be held responsible for, you know, a confirmed case or, uh, you know, worst case scenario, someone dying because they contracted the illness at a, a particular event. I, I can really see this running the gamut. Uh, you know, the PGA Tour uh, just a few days ago saying, you know what, we're going to be fine. We don't anticipate canceling any other, uh, any events or barring spectators. I think they're going to be thrown into this boat. The OHL just yesterday saying that they're, you know, uh, implementing the same procedures as the NBA and NHL and MLB and MLS in terms of barring the media from uh, the locker room. I think that's ultimately, whenever the day is, going to be extended to fans not being allowed in the arena. And it's just going to be extremely odd. And when you're talking about junior hockey, especially here in Hamilton, I mean, that is a team's bread and butter. There's no, you know, multi-gazillion dollar TV contract or, or, you know, a plethora of, uh, you know, billionaire sponsorships associated with the team, you know, these teams are, uh, at the end of the day, relying on fans to come and support them. So, I mean, this could be devastating for many sports teams. Yeah, let's start there and then work our way back up. But with the OHL, here in Hamilton, you've got Michael Andlauer, who owns the team, and, and he is a successful businessman. He's got money. He He's not going to go bankrupt by uh, no. a number of games at the end of the year that you can't have fans for. But some of these teams, especially the ones that were banking on a playoff run to make some money, and who don't have owners that are as deep-pocketed, you're right, this is this could be a crushing, crushing blow for them that they don't recover from for a number of years. And it goes beyond ticket sales. I mean, yes, that's the major revenue, but you know, now you're not selling merchandise in the stadium. You know, None of the concession stands are open on the concourse. Uh, yeah, you don't have to pay uh, you know, uh, people to be employed, uh, you know, serving beers or hot dogs or whatnot, but I mean, you're losing money big time at the end of the day. So for these... OHL teams or minor league teams that are really reliant on that kind of revenue, that is that is really, really going to hurt. But then you go to the other side of this, which is the pro sports. And, you know, the NBA has a massive, enormous TV deal. So, uh, you know, again, I don't think anyone's going bankrupt 
for the remainder of this season by not, they, they may not make profit and they may lose a little bit of money in some cases, but they do have revenue still coming in. The NHL, though, um, it, it is still a league that is reliant on ticket sales. And there are NHL teams, Rick, and we know this well because we hear about it regularly, that are not the Toronto Maple Leafs and not the Montreal Canadiens. They are, they, you know, in this, the, the salary cap is what, $85 million, and they need those ticket sales to pay their salaries. There could, uh, depending on how long this goes, this could be really troubling for a few teams. Yeah, and you know those teams would be kind of those southern U.S. teams, but you know, you know, let's face it, even you know, you 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 point to a Canadian team like the Winnipeg Jets that you know not too long ago had to leave uh, Winnipeg to go to the United States because you know the the dollar was low, fans weren't really attending, there wasn't you know a a large corporate sponsorship base there, uh, so you know there's going to be a few teams in this boat that are saying, hey, this is really hurting us. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about in the CHL newsroom today is. From a TV perspective, from a broadcast perspective, what is the response going to be? Because now you have 20,000-some-odd fans unable to go to a game. Uh, They're probably not going to go to the bar, uh, so they're probably going to stay home and watch uh, the the, the sporting event on TV. So is that going to mean boosted television ratings? Uh, It could be, but, I mean, how long are we going to be watching a game with no fans? Because that's really part of the experience. Especially, you know, NCAA March Madness. Yes, yes, most, yes. A lot of the joy is seeing the reaction of fans or the heartbreak of fans on whether their team is winning or losing. So and, that's going to be very interesting. And the team bans and all that stuff. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's going to be a very weird thing to do. And you're right, TV, I don't want to say that the folks at the TV networks are loving this because I, I don't want to put some sort of ghoulish Grim Reaper thing on them. But when it comes to the numbers, they may end up loving what may happen here if if you start having all those people who are not there now? I mean, that's what an extra twenty thousand. But how many people are going to tune in for a while who are not even sports fans just to see what it looks like, like the outdoor yeah. game at the NHL? We tune in just to see the environment. Uh, they could they could benefit from this in some weird way. I think the big benefactors would be the Netflixes of the world because now you're not having people going to these events. Uh, you're having more and more people huddled into their homes. You know, they don't want to go out uh, outside. They've stocked up on toilet paper. Now they're going to you know, binge whatever show on Netflix. So they'll be happy. Um, but even, you know, uh, we haven't, uh, I don't think we've heard from the XFL. I know the CFL has said that, you know, we're, we're going to pay attention to what's going on. You know, there's no plan right now to cancel training camps or games. The XFL is in the middle of their season, so that's going to be very interesting to see how they proceed. And really, we haven't seen much from the NFL, but their draft is coming up in Las Vegas, and they've turned that into an indoor and outdoor kind of event with thousands upon thousands of people. So the football world is going to be affected in the not-too-distant future as well. The other thing about this that's going to be really interesting is it's not just, okay, so the fans are not going to be in the stands for a lot of these, and who knows how far it goes. Again, whether baseball gets affected, whether golf, I mean, I don't know if the outdoor events are as susceptible to or required to be canceled, but nonetheless. Uh, but you also have a lot of the other stuff that's going on, and that is they are shutting down or shutting, cl- cutting back on access to players to be talked to. Uh, I, the NHL has already said that players now will not be available except before and after games. So intermission guests, for whatever that's worth, not so much there. But interviews, locker room access, all the areas where you oftentimes can get stories and get the narratives, those things go away. And here's what I wonder, Rick. Does do, do those come back when this ends, or do the leagues go, oh, 
we kind of like that. We're going to leave it alone. Well, I, I can see the latter happening, although in the wording that at least the four major pro sports teams, the NHL, NBA, MLS, and MLB, uh, this past week said it's going to be a temporary uh, initiative. And I know that a lot of the writers' associations had made their voice heard to say, yeah, this has to be temporary because we have agreements in place that you know we have access to these areas. So I, you know, for the time being, uh, I think they're doing what they have to do. I think it's a... Uh, it's a best-case scenario in terms of at least we as reporters still have access to these athletes, even though it's in a more, I guess, sanitized environment. Um, but I was watching, you know, the, the Leafs game last night, and they had intermission interviews, a one-on-one with a reporter. So whether they didn't want to break that in terms of the TV broadcast contract or not, but I found it, uh, you know, extremely interesting that a day after this edict comes out, they're still allowing intermission interviews. So for what it's worth, uh, they're still going on. All right, so if the games, I want to change tack just a tiny bit here, but if the games do carry on, Sunday night in uh, Colorado, when the Colorado Avalanche play against the Las Vegas Golden Knights, or the Vegas Golden Knights, pardon me, uh, do you know who the emergency backup goalie is going to be in the arena? (laughs) Uh, Good question. Uh, It will have to be, he'll have to be there. Yeah, but do you you know who it is? Did you hear who it is? Is it David Ayers? No, 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 no. Oh. Larry Walker, future new Hall of Fame. So here's the here's the point of this that I think I don't. I, I'm having a hard time deciding. I, I, I'm leaning heavily towards this is a brilliant bit of marketing by the NHL or by a team in the NHL because it happens so seldom that that guy has to go in. I think this could be a brilliant idea that every game they announce some celebrity emergency backup goalie <laughs> until. It actually happens, in which case it's a complete and utter disaster. Yes. But I, I, I'm leaning hard on the, this is a very creative idea that I, I'm in favor of. This is a fantastic idea until Cher has to supplant <laughs> Jonathan Quick in the, LA, in the LA Kings net, and then they're in trouble. <laughs> I, you know, for the number of times it happens, though, uh, and, and think of the, and by the way, think of the coverage if Larry Walker did ever have to put the pads on and go in. The amount of attention the NHL would get. Of course, it would make a farce of the game. And that's the that's the only small percentage side of this that I you know, I sort of hold back on. It's you don't want you want the attention, you want the fun. I don't know that we want to make the entire game seem like a complete joke. Right. I think the fun thing is, you know, if you are if you're a celebrity and you signed up to be the emergency backup goalie, you have to at least take part in pregame warmups. So at least we get to make a little fun out of the individual, although that might curtail the amount of celebrities who sign up. Uh, it could, or it could end it really fast if you put Larry. Now, Larry Walker, I think, used to play net, so maybe he's still yeah. got some chops there. But l- l- let's say you take, I don't know, uh, pick your pick your person who is um, whoever, Gene Simmons from KISS, who's never been on skates before, and you put him in net for the warm-up, and he can't even stand up, I, I think that's probably the end of the thing. <laughs> the NHL would step in at that point and go, guys, come on, you, you, you can't. Yeah. be fun to watch, though. You know who I would love to see a team sign up? If only for the test. I, I've always wanted to see someone test this. I want an NHL team, if this goes on anywhere, to sign the world's biggest sumo wrestler. <laughs> because I've always wondered what would happen if you could just put equipment on a gigantic sumo. He would take up most of the net without even moving. His save percentage would be 989. Along with his weight. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. I'm I am kind of I'm kind of okay with this idea. I think it's a very clever idea that the the Avalanche have had. I just kind of really hope that it doesn't turn into a David Ayer situation. But you know, and there's another one. If you can't have fans in the stands. What else can you do to try and make sure people still tune in or they're still engaged? Well, every night you have a special secret third goalie who's introduced right before the game of who could come in in the event of a disaster. Ah, they may be onto something here. Hmm. Kind of like Either that or celebrity cardboard cutouts in the audience. Well, see, that was the other one I thought of. Back to the empty arenas, uh, you know, with with all of the. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Rick? When, when, with movies, with the stuff they do, the the the, the extras. Well, not oh, extras. The CGI. CGI. The CGI. Yeah. With CGI now, why could you not have a very compelling, very realistic looking, huge crowd yeah. at a game? Surely you could do that quickly, couldn't you? They do it with sponsors. You see CGI sponsors all over the place, whether it's hockey or basketball or baseball. Uh, they're kind of cleverly placed, but they're on your screen. You just don't notice them as much. And then. Further sponsorship opportunity. Rick Zamperin, me, whoever, <laughs> you can pay 10 bucks to have your face put on into the stand so you can see yourself on TV. Yes, with like a Toyota logo on your shirt. Toyota logo with a bodybuilder's body. You could pick. Like, just think of the possibilities of the new revenue streams that we could wow. create for the NHL. we got to trademark this and fast. No kidding. I could put my head on Ted Michael's body. <laughs> I'm not sure who would be uh, the advantageous one of that. Yeah, on second thought, I think I think I'll retract my statement quickly. Hey, Rick Zamperin, always appreciate you doing this. Thanks for stepping in. You got it. Take care. Uh, it, it's uh, as I say, NBA games. It appears they're going to announce it tomorrow. They're going to announce a decision tomorrow, but it appears that there will not be fans at NBA games for the rest of the year, or for at least some period of time, or the league will go on a complete hiatus. That's going to be apparently announced tomorrow, and you would have to expect that if that was the case, the NHL will follow suit shortly after. And if that was the case, you would have to think that Major League Baseball and spring training will follow suit shortly after. And again, for litigation reasons, that no association, no league, no sports group wants to be sued because someone caught coronavirus at a sporting event, you would have to think that golf and tennis and everything, everything, would be either fan-free or not playing at all for some period of time. Who knows how long that would be. Maybe we'll have the Stanley Cup presented. They go on hiatus and we have the Stanley Cup presented at the end of September and the minute the game ends, training camp opens. We don't, we're not that far off as it is. We could just stretch it right into a full year thing. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.